0: Hello, and welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I've got Darcy with me as usual. Darcy, how are you? Hey, what's
1: up? I'm doing okay. Recovering from like a little allergy cold session because the pollen here is ridiculous. But, Yikes. Yeah, it sucks, but you know.
0: Whatever. Yeah, i have got a new microphone, so it's yeah. all good.
1: awesome. And you're out in sunny
0: California. Oh, yeah. Hopefully the sound quality is a lot better. Yeah, Um, Fingers crossed. If it's not, I'm sure we'll get some emails telling us all about it. Don't even worry about it. So we've got some um, updates. And pardon me if you hear dogs or planes or other things. (laughs) This location is not super quiet. We're on a golf course. And so... Are you in construction? Research? No, we're in Newport Beach. Oh, okay. Ooh. Um, but there's construction going on. There, the John Wayne Airport is nearby, so oh, planes yeah, yeah. are going on. It's, it's a loud area, so <laughs> um, pardon those noises as they come through. But we've got some updates. Some yeah. crazy updates, right? Let's get into it. Uh, first and foremost, Lori Vallow, right? She's been yes. held fit to stand trial. And now the trial for her and Chad Daybell is going to be held in Ada or Ada. I don't know how they say it. County. Okay. It's the latest ruling in the case. This just came out like a day ago. Okay. It says the trial for Lori Vallow Daybell and Chad Daybell will be held in Ada County. Right. Boyce denied a motion from the prosecution asking him to reconsider an earlier ruling moving the trial to Ada County. The prosecution requested that a jury be brought in from Ada County, but the trial itself remained in Fremont. The judge acknowledged that it would be more costly to have the trial in Ada County, but felt it was the best approach in this case. In his oh. ruling, he also stated that there are concerns for jurors with a lengthy trial, especially those being brought in from another county. Finding jurors that are able to serve for 10 straight weeks away from home will likely result in a significant number of the fair cross section of the community being excluded from service. Okay, so, so they are they wanted yes. to
1: just bring the juries in, but they actually just moved the entire trial because no, they
0: wanted to move the entire trial because they thought that there'd be too much publicity in that County, but that was denied. And they were saying that they were going to have the jurors just come in instead, but then they reconsidered that motion and now and they moved the entire move trial. Back. Gotcha. But I think it's interesting that Lori is now fit to stand trial. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing, right? So n- yeah. nearly a year after Lori Valla was ordered to undergo restorative mental health treatment, This Idaho judge ruled her fit to stand trial for the murders of her two children. She will now be moved from the Idaho department of health and welfare and remanded to the custody of the Fremont County sheriff. According to the ruling about a week ago, she was declared mentally unfit in late May of last year and her trial for the death of her seven year old son and her 16 year old daughter were put on hold as was that of her husband, Chad Daybell, for the same crime. So I guess those two are going to be tried together, and because she was not fit to stand trial, it delayed the trial. That's what it sounds like. But the judge ruled that they must stand trial together against the objections of his attorney. Huh. So it's interesting, right? Um, I wonder what exactly they did to her to get her fit to stand trial. And what, like... You may not even know, but
1: do you know like why a judge would say that no they have to stand trial together?
0: Probably cost, efficiency, oh, okay. like there's a whole f- these, these trials are very, very expensive. Yeah. And if you've got a lot of the same kind of players involved in both cases, then they have every incentive to try them together in order for the sake of efficiency to be upheld and the cost to be kept down. Okay. Particularly for the taxpayers. Okay. Um and then if there's a lot of like evidence that's shared between them two, then between the two then it can also be really beneficial to have them okay. in the same trial. But I would think that definitely the attorneys would push for a separated trial because you don't want the sort of thoughts and opinions about one to color the thoughts and opinions about the other. Right. Yeah,
1: I can see why his attorneys would push for a separate trial. I just didn't know why a judge would say they need to be together.
0: I think probably for cost and efficiency's yeah. sake and to okay. get it moving through the process a lot quicker. I wonder if, she, if she's
1: going to try an insanity defense because she was already ruled not fit to stand trial. It's like she can still claim that she was legally insane at the time of, that she committed the crime.
0: I guess we'll find out. I'm sure that now yeah. that this is moving forward, we'll start to get little bits and pieces of the defense that she's going to be using because she's going to have to file yeah. paperwork and whatnot. It's going to be interesting yeah definitely we'll keep you guys posted on that um the next one was the the trial or excuse me the death penalty case for melissa lucio yeah she was the first texas um execution of a hispanic woman and her um execution was stayed
1: yeah thank god you were right about that one i remember we talked about that and i i was more cynical than you and i'm glad to admit that i'm wrong
0: so she was supposed to be executed april twenty seventh two days before that date she the fi- two days before that date the fifty three year old mother of fourteen children was due to be executed. She was given a second chance. She has been on death row since night or since two thousand seven after the death of her then two year old daughter Mariah. she's always maintained her innocence um, very very interesting. she claims that it was an accident um, there were there have been a lot of very influential people who have spoken on her behalf. Mm-hmm including Kim Kardashian and a whole host of other people, including the Innocence Project, who's gotten yeah. behind her. Um, she's a, she was a very poor woman of a minority background, living in South Texas with no money to hire an attorney, and instead was given a court-appointed one who made significant <clears throat> errors, people are saying, that resulted in her having an unfair trial. Right. So there was a lot of evidence that could have helped her, like testimonies of experts, um, and her other children that were not admitted in the original trial. The state also didn't test DNA or allow the defendant's forensic pathologist to speak at the trial. And there was
1: also an issue with her interrogation, right? like yes. they, uh, yes. they interrogated her for extremely long periods
0: of time. She was pregnant, and they didn't yeah. allow her to eat, drink, or go to the yeah. bathroom over like a four or five hour period. There That's were also right. significant allegations of corruption in the prosecution yeah. team, which they say could have colored this case as well. So in issuing a stay of execution on Monday, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals said Melissa's case deserved further scrutiny given mistakes made during the original prosecution, as well as new information that has emerged over the past decade and a half while she's been in jail. Okay. They're sending it back. They're kicking it back to the trial court. So upon hearing that her execution had been stayed, she said in a statement, I'm grateful the court has given me the chance to live and prove my innocence. Mariah is in my heart today and always always. I am grateful to have more days to be a mother to my children and a grandmother to my grandchild. While she technically remains on death row, her case is due to be reviewed again by the trial court. So kicking it back down. So I don't know if that necessarily means she's going to get a new trial, but the evidence will definitely be reviewed again. Okay, so on Monday, state rep Jeff Leach was the first to tell Lucio that the court had issued a stay in her case, sending the case back to the local court that convicted her. Um, so I don't think that means she gets a new trial. I think that means that They're they review the reviewing... evidence and determine whether she should get a new trial in right. light of the evidence presented.
1: Right. Okay. So it's still time for Texas to screw this up, basically.
0: Essentially. Finally, an update for Madeline McCann. Yeah. So we covered this case a few episodes back, like a year ago or something like that. So if you want to hear about more about Madeline yeah, it's McCann, you can go listen to that episode. But we actually talked about this guy. Mm-hmm. in our episode but he's now been formally named a suspect
1: right and this is the german national correct correct yeah
0: christian bruckner has now become a formal suspect so this is portuguese prosecutors have named him an official suspect yes because that's where she was abducted right but he's right now in custody in germany for a conviction of of a 70 some year old woman he assaulted her very very badly but right um she vanished from her bed during a family vacation to the country nearly fifteen years ago. Prosecutors God's been fifteen yeah, it's been years fifteen years. Prosecutors in Faro, Algarve's main city, did not publicly name the man but said they were acting on a request by German authorities and in coordination with British investigators. It was it's Interesting. the first time prosecutors have identified a suspect in the case since initially accusing Madeline's parents, who were later cleared. The British family was on vacation in this region of southern Portugal when Madeline was stolen from her bed in a ground floor apartment May 3rd, 2007, just feet from her sleeping twin siblings. So German police were first tipped off to Bruckner's possible connection to Madeline's case in 2013. One year prior, Portugal's judiciary police turned over documents to British authorities with hundreds of names related to the investigation, including Bruckner's. It wasn't immediately clear why Portuguese prosecutors formally identified the suspect Thursday, but it could be related to the country's 15-year statute of limitations for crimes with a maximum prison sentence of 10 years or more.
1: Oh, interesting. So, so they basically have time. to ask yes. to get off the pot.
0: They've got to file those charges now Okay. Or lose the ability to do that. So. Interesting. It is. It's interesting that there is a statute of limitations on a sentence of 10 years or more. You'd think yeah. that there would be for lesser crimes, but not for greater crimes of 10 years or more, which is kind well, of how we do it here.
1: There's no statute yeah. of
0: limitations on murder in the U.S., but evidently in other countries there are. Well, but they
1: also don't know that they will charge him with murder. No. It just like says statute of crimes yeah. with
0: a maximum prison sentence of 10 years or more.
1: Yeah, so they may not be able to prove m- murder necessarily,
0: but they could prove abduction or something like that. Yeah. Very interesting that yeah. they've officially named this guy, and they've, they've plastered his picture everywhere. Good. I don't think I saw a picture of him before.
1: I don't remember if I did or not.
0: He looks rough.
1: Well, he's also, looks he's like he's been prison.
0: beaten up a few times. But... Anyway, um, let's jump over to the main case for the day. And this one has gotten a lot of airtime recently as well. Um, we're going to talk about the Sherry Papini story. Oof. Yeah. It's a doozy. <laughs> Man, this one didn't smell right from the jump. I was very suspicious of mm-hmm. her, too, um, especially when she named who she named. But let's, um, as a suspect to, yeah. for doing this to her, but... Let's jump into this a little bit. Sherry Louise Graff, or Grafe, was born June eleventh, 1982. She met Keith Papini when she was very young. Um, some people say they met in middle school and were each other's first kiss. They later broke up. Sherry married someone else in 2006. And then this broke up relatively quickly as well, and she went back to Keith Papini, And they got married King. in 2009 and settled in Redding, California. Okay. So, by 2016, the family has a two-year-old and a four-year-old, and they're living in the house that Keith grew up in, in Redding, California. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. It's not not very common. Yeah. So, he's definitely a Redding local. Yeah. And Redding, California, is in the Shasta region of Northern California, along the Sacramento River. Um, it's also near the border of Oregon, about 120 miles south of that.
1: I don't think I knew it was that far north. Okay.
0: Yeah. The population is relatively small compared to some of the bigger cities, but schools, hospitals and the county are the largest employers in that area. There's really uh, besides Mount Shasta, there's really not, not a lot in that area. Right. I've been there a few times, mostly just driving through, but it's pretty rural. Yeah. Um, Sherry didn't work. She was the um, homemaker, raising two kids, and mm-hmm. that, was her first, that was her full-time job and her husband worked at Best Buy. Okay. So they're not super wealthy, obviously, um, but they live a really solid lower middle class probably existence, right? Because it's probably. Well, they
1: probably not, don't have a
0: mortgage, it sounds yeah. like. And it's not super expensive to live in yeah. Reading, so they're, they're doing okay. Yeah. Um, Sherry was very active and was considered to be a great mom and a loving wife from all accounts. Mm-hmm. November 2nd, 2016. Keith gets up and goes to work at Best Buy and Sherry gets everybody else ready for daycare and she starts getting everything prepping for the two kids to leave for the day. She drops them off at daycare and then comes back home. Mm-hmm. She later texts Keith and asks him if he's planning to come home for lunch that day, which I think is so weird um, <gasps> that she disappears after that. It's almost like she was checking... Yeah, like, it's weird
1: because she disappeared, but, like, on a normal day, if you just, like, text your spouse, hey, are you going home for lunch? Like, today, that's not that's not weird. But on the day she disappears, it is weird. Yeah.
0: So, evidently, yeah. he did come home for lunch, you know, periodically. Mm-hmm. But that day, he says he's too busy, and she decides to go for a run instead. This, in itself, was not unusual either. Evidently, right. she'd been training for some sort of a half marathon or a race or uh, 5K or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So she left somewhere between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. Okay. And the Papini family lives in a really remote area. There are trails all around where Sherry frequently runs. Keith gets home that night around 6 p.m. in the evening, and Sherry's car is there, but she's nowhere to be found. And she usually picks the kids up from daycare around 4.30 So Keith is looking around. There's no Sherry. There's Uh no kids. And he starts to get a little worried. He calls the daycare then and determines that the kids haven't been picked up. Okay. And so kids are safe. Yeah. The kids are safe, but he's immediately worried. Where's Sherry? And why hasn't she picked the kids up? Right. He then uses the find my iPhone app and locates her phone. Okay. Which again, there's been a lot of conjecture on this because why didn't he call her? Why didn't he, you know, there's a lot of people that are like, why did he go straight to the Find My iPhone app? Do we know that he went straight to That's the app? That's what they said. We, okay. So he located Sherry's phone around their mailbox at the end of their street about a mile from the house in a very rural area. Keith immediately drives there and sees her phone and earplugs with some hair tangled, like a chunk of her blonde hair had been pulled out and kind Yikes. of arranged with the headphones on top of the phone. It looks okay. a little suspicious. So, evidently, he takes pictures of it and then drives around for a bit looking to see if maybe Sherry had tripped or fallen or injured herself. And then he can't find anything. So, he calls 911. And he's reporting that his wife is missing. This was about two hours from the time he got home to the 911 call. Okay, so her phone was at the end of their driveway. Well, evidently, the end of their driveway was like a mile from their house. Right. The but I, so
1: I thought it was like out along the running route. No. I didn't realize it was like near their property. Okay. But it's
0: a mile away from their house. So it's really no, not that near. <laughs>
1: right. No, I know. But like, I just thought it was like I thought he had to drive the running route to like find no. her phone and not. Uh-huh. So, so, yeah, okay.
0: So the call itself, the 911 call that Keith makes to the the police is online and you can listen to it. And people immediately jump on Keith saying he sounds too calm. I
1: mean, you know, this we talk about this, like, literally every time we have a 911 call. Yeah. Like, y- you can't judge somebody by, by their 911 call. No. And, like, you just can't.
0: And he basically, I mean, he is pretty chill on the call. But, like, the thing is, he doesn't really know. There's no blood. So he doesn't necessarily know. I think maybe he thought she had, like, tripped or, like, yeah. you know, some other non-nefarious thing had happened to her. Sure. And so police narrow in on him first, because that's always where they go. Yep. But he was quickly crossed off the list after they questioned his coworkers and his job and everything, and he passes a polygraph test as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And they determined he was at work all day, so there's no way he could have somehow taken the time to drive home, grab Sherry, and do something to her, right? Interesting they took a polygraph. That's like... Exactly
1: what we would advise against right. because of the things we talked about last episode with the interrogations. Yeah.
0: Um, and then polygraphs aren't admissible in court
1: Correct. anyway.
0: So, I mean, but I think that they tend to give them out just to rule people out so they can focus time and energy on suspects that may be more viable. Yeah. Like, rather more than like, as,
1: yeah. are they willing to take a polygraph versus how do they actually perform on right. the polygraph?
0: Rather yeah. than actually using it as a tool in a court of law. Right. Right. So there're no signs of foul play in the house and Keith Papini is very open and vocal. He's kind of a spokesperson immediately for the public asking and pleading for his wife's safe return. Mm-hmm. And the story went viral right away. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. I do. I remember listening to him and just being like, "He did it." He's so See, did I don't it. remember f- <laughs> I don't
1: remember feeling any kind of way about it until later. It was like, I felt really, the the whole thing
0: was suspicious, but I immediately suspected he had done something.
1: Sure. But he goes on Gone Girl. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, he goes on Good Morning America. He goes on the news. He's like, somebody took her. Please help me get her back. Starts to go fund me. Like, he's just really vocal. Right. Um, Keith is involved in the search efforts. And even so, there's no sign of a scheme or any idea where she might be. There's right. no clues besides the phone and the clump of hair. In the meantime, police are chasing down every single possible lead. They're looking at closed camera footage. They're looking at phone data. They're like really scrambling to just pull something out of right. this. Keith actually. They don't even know like what happened. No, they have no like, clue. Yeah. And just a clump of hair and a phone isn't really good, right? Right. Um, Keith actually starts his own search team, and he gets over a hundred volunteers. He had started to go fund me for the effort, and he actually hired a private investigator um, with some of the money to help, okay. right? And the police aren't really that thrilled about this because they feel like it's distracting from the true purpose of the case, and it's yeah. just kind of distracting resources and time as well yeah. and maybe confusing the investigation. Um, an anonymous donor actually offered $100,000 for Sherry's safe return. I do remember hearing that That's story. so wild, and they still haven't found out who that Anonymous donor is. Interesting. They start a negotiation and they get a this ransom kidnapping expert to get involved and it mm-hmm. turns into a freaking circus from there. They're like, Oh, return her and we'll give you this a hundred thousand. I mean they're they're grasping at straws, essentially. Absolutely. Um several videos were released the following weeks asking for someone to ransom Sherry if they had her.
1: Then November twenty third This was Thanksgiving.
0: It's actually November 24th this happens. It was just really, really early in the morning on yep. Thanksgiving. She just randomly reappears.
1: I remember. Like, this is when I was like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. It's about yeah. 50
0: miles from Redding where they find her, and it's around 4, 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. And a driver finds Sherry. She's wide-eyed and panicked. She's chained and terrified. She's waving some sort of cloth or something. I guess it was the bag that they had put on her head she said that they had put a bag on her head, and she was okay. using that to kind of flag down the car and get the driver's attention. The driver was freaked out, though, so she didn't stop. Sure. She had her daughter in the car, and she oh, yeah. ended up pulling over some distance down the road and calling 911 once she felt that she was safe with her daughter, which and that's I get And that's absolutely that. what you should do. I mean, this woman is in chains. She's looking weird. Like, is she on drugs? Like, you just you don't know. So it's definitely. You want to
1: help, but you have a kid in the car. You don't know what to do. You don't know if it's safe. That's absolutely the right decision. Yeah.
0: Totally. So surveillance video shows Sherry not far from where she was found trying to break into churches. She's knocking on doors. She's trying to get help just randomly. She just pops up on all these videos. They don't show necessarily a car that she came from, but they show her trying to get help frantically knocking on doors and going to this church. And just she's emaciated. She weighs Mm -hmm. only about 87 pounds. Her nose was broken and she had Mm -hmm. bruises in various stages of healing. And Mm -hmm. the biggest thing was she was branded and her hair was cut very, very short. So there were gashes as well on her neck and wrists. Mm -hmm. She showed no signs of sexual assault and she's wearing a set of gray sweats. Mm -hmm. There is a chain around her waist and zip tie on one hand and then she has restraints on her ankles. She looks pretty much horrific. Right. And she immediately tells police that she'd been abducted and held captive, but she doesn't really tell them a whole lot else. Yeah. When they probe a little further into this, she says that two adult Hispanic women had taken her. They were armed, and she says she was fearful, so she hadn't looked them in the face and couldn't provide any additional description except for the race and that one had straight hair and one had curly hair. And one was supposedly considerably older. Yes. One was like in her 20s and the other was a little bit older, which how's yeah. she going to see that if she doesn't look him in the face? Exactly. How's she going to know got, that?
1: She's got some details for so not looking at So already
0: her, her story is contradicting itself, and she seems confused, disoriented, and unable to give further details. Mm-hmm. So the authorities take her to the hospital, and she's mm-hmm. reunited with her husband at that point. So she was treated and then released to a private location where police continued to investigate what was going on. And they continue yeah. to question her and talk to her. She claims that she had gotten a wound on one of her feet fighting with her captors, but in processing her injuries, there's no sign of any type of injury to her foot. So right. Her stories aren't lining up and this calls her credibility into question. Um, I, she go ahead. I feel like there's also
1: so like, cause the press picked up on this pretty quick too. Yeah, And I feel like as they were talking to people who like had, Driven past her, or something like. The first very per- first person that saw her said her hair was not cut. Do you
0: remember hearing that? Uh, there were contradictory stories for sure. Right. Right. Sherry keeps her answers mostly short and non-specific, revealing only that her captors usually spoke in Spanish, but won't give them any specifics about facial features, etc. Mm-hmm. She basically says she was held in a dirty, tiny cell, unbeaten regularly. For no apparent reason. Right. Right. That's the thing. Like, why? Sherry says she was kept in chains until the women got into some sort of an argument one day. And they put her in the car and dumped her on a road on Thanksgiving. Again, why? Totally random. Yeah. So she says she was dumped on this random road with a bag over her head. Again, why? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) This case is just bonkers, especially considering how rare adult stranger abductions really are. And yeah. then when you factor in the fact that there were adult female perpetrators involved it's just And even there was more no rare. sign of sexual abuse. Exactly. And no ransom. Authorities cannot figure out any similar cases or viable <laughs> yeah. leads for this. So they're like because I think when you have instances with kidnapping they look for patterns in cases of sex trafficking sort of sure. thing. But I think even then Sherry's a little old for that. Right, she's this you know in her thirties adult mom, right? Um, they typically don't pull sex trafficking victims from middle class. Yeah, I mean, like, suburbia.
1: <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily the case where they like picks like literally abduct somebody off the street. I think they no. normally tend to go toward transient populations, vulnerable and, and, populations, and, right? Can right be things easily like that,
0: persuaded or can be right. Um, Sort of manipulated because they, right. they want food or drugs or shelter or whatever. It's not, and it's not that
1: it couldn't happen, but it's just yeah, it's less likely. Very,
0: very, 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 very rare. Yeah. So, except for unknown male DNA on the clothing Sherry was found in, there's no other evidence. And that's where in she messed case. up. Yeah. And the male DNA doesn't match anyone in CODIS or Keith Papini. Right. So, they check out some genetic genealogy to see if they can get any results from that. And obviously that's how they found the Golden State Killer. It's where they take yep. that DNA and they backtrace it through the family tree to try to find the person. Yep. Right? So Sherry claims that the car that kidnapped her was a dark car, a dark SUV, but she can't give them any other information. Now let's talk a little bit about the branding. So yeah. when they found her, there was scabbing on her shoulder But what the brand actually was, was unclear, and it was very poor quality, and it was fading by the time she was found. Interesting. So police kind of kept that information very close to the chest and didn't Uh really reveal a lot about it. I think that that was sort of a belief that if they did, that they might lose evidence or that somebody might be hesitant to come forward Uh if they revealed that. But anyway, authorities speculated that there might be some gang or sex trafficking involvement because of the brand. Right. But again there was no sexual assault so what's the motive right yes do you know anybody that's ever branded themselves um i know people that have been branded like professionally for, like, yeah um professionally for branded. a variety of different reasons uh, for scarification like it's mm-hmm. like a tattoo to them it's a beauty mm-hmm. mark and they, they they get it for that reason and then i know guys that got it for being in a fraternity yeah so like a rite of passage for that but i don't know anybody that's done it to themselves
1: okay so i do there's like a a group of guys that I was friends with that my friend group was friends with in undergrad and they would get drunk and they would like light pieces of metal
0: no
1: yeah and like like make it red hot and then like make like designs on their shoulder like self-branding and it like it it looks terrible and that's kind of like what I imagine
0: this was well it's my understanding that they later determined that the branding was created by some sort of a michael's or like crafting store wood burning apparatus interesting yeah okay so take that for what you will yeah um sherry stayed out of the public eye after all of this keeping it low-key and about a year after her return supposedly for her own safety exactly right about a year after her return a composite sketch is released Mm -hmm. have you seen these composite sketches i have they're super generic looking and like it's almost offensive yeah right and they have masks on or you know bandanas or whatever over their face again Yep. super offensive and lots of conspiracy theorists say that these looked a little bit like sherry oh Um, interesting because (laughs) people speculate that when it's staged and it's a hoax that they will inadvertently give descriptions of themselves the hoaxer
1: that's a fascinating theory i want to
0: look that up yeah but the case dies out for a while yeah. After that whole thing happened, because I mean, if you look at these pictures of these two women she created, they're so generic. They could be you're not getting thousands and anything. Thousands from that. and thousands of women Mm-mm. in California. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. But the police see that Sherry had been texting with a man from Michigan because they got her phone and went right, to it, right. Um, and they had made plans to meet up, but they never actually met up. Okay. So this guy was ruled out as a suspect. But it shows you that Sherry was a little shady on the back end.
1: Yeah. Right? That she she's, almost planned the perfect crime, except she didn't realize that they could look at who you're texting. Yeah.
0: So she's got a little bit of the infidelity going on. Yeah. And she had actually saved that guy's number under a girl's name in her phone.
1: Interesting. So they
0: are like, oh she's sketchy yeah. we gotta dig a little deeper hiding something so Sherry never had a polygraph which you know again that's not a huge deal because a lot of people would recommend that you don't take one of those mm-hmm. because they're inadmissible and so forth and they can be false positives and false negatives especially if you've gone stuff.
1: through something really traumatic
0: yeah So, and other people were saying that the, this whole thing was staged so that the family could get the GoFundMe money or a reality television show Mm. So that was going around for a while, right? Um, but authorities keep going back to the phone, and it just looks suspicious. Sherry also has a family history of breaking into family members' homes. This was around the year two thousand, and then in two thousand three, Sherry's mother claimed that she was injuring herself and blaming it on her mother, so she was doing like self harm oh. or whatever, and then saying their mother had done it. And she also had unauthorized withdrawals from other family members' bank accounts, so she is not squeaky clean huh and some of her family is starting to suspect that she is perpetuating a hoax right? they
1: closed like so her and her husband closed ranks very quickly when she when she showed up again yeah like from the even from the rest of her family like they yeah. shut down
0: yeah <clears throat> um it's interesting though because the, you know the police are ruling things out they rule out the mm-hmm. sex trafficking because they can't find any other cases similar to this one mm-hmm. they rule out the drugs um, even though they, her and her husband had drug use in the past, um, possibly a race war was also brought up and discounted. Um, and part of the reason for that was there was some speculation that there was a bunch of stuff online from Sherry and her husband that was very ro- racially motivated. Um, kind of they Arian had some questionable kind of Facebook
1: stuff. posts like yeah. in the prior years.
0: But again, I think that there was some speculation as to whether that was truly them, how much it had to do okay. with this, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, I guess there was some sort of a white pride essay. Someone yeah. claims that Sherry wrote and a bunch of other stuff like that, but yeah. they didn't say that that was proof of anything. Right. Ultimately, what came out was that they determined it was irrelevant.
1: Okay.
0: And Sherry wasn't charged with anything. Um, So... Denise Huskins, that whole... Have you heard the Denise Huskins case? I don't think so. It happened around this time, and it's this woman of a similar age that was kidnapped in, I think, Vallejo. She was with her boyfriend at the time, and somebody broke into their house and ended up... And this is a case we'll probably cover at some point. It ended up being this ex-Harvard attorney, Harvard grad attorney, who had kidnapped her and tried to kidnap someone else, but... They, the police, thought it was a hoax, and they basically okay. publicly said they weren't going to support them and the whole thing. And they ended up suing the police that department. That part I for do remember. Two point five million. They said
1: it was a hoax, and it, she really was kidnapped. Yeah, she actually yes.
0: really was kidnapped. And so that I, part think I do remember. People are tentative because they're like, "Crap, this happened, so we yeah. have to." If there's any chance at all that this is real, we have to follow through with it. Right. That one hundred thousand dollar reward was still standing up until very, very recently. Um, The family lived very quietly. And then some news outlets started saying that a California man came forward to say that he had spent time with her. Yeah. Five years earlier. A Southern California guy. Yeah. So March 3rd, 2022, Sherry was arrested. And the 39-year-old woman was charged with making false statements to a federal law enforcement officer and engaging in mail fraud. So the mail fraud... Yeah, was essentially accepting, I guess, victim payment checks Oh, the mail. Because I was like, mail fraud? What's yeah. that all about? I guess there's a 55-page criminal complaint related to this, and it's developing pretty fast. There was mail DNA on Sherry's clothing, but no leads. And they basically tracked this guy down, and the DNA on the sweats matched the Southern California man that claimed she had been with him.
1: Didn't it match a relative of his that was in the system?
0: That's what I heard, that it was through genetic genealogy that they backtraced it to this guy. And then come to find out. And they said that he had shared an email with Sherry at some point in the past, an email address through like AOL or something like that. Oh, So there's ties to those two. It wasn't like a random kind of a connection. Right. June 9th, 2020, police had basically stalked this guy's house, went through his trash, and collected items matching the DNA to Sherry's clothing. Yeah. So they backtraced it to narrow it down and then went through his trash so they could definitely be sure. Right. right. Evidently, this guy had been one of Sherry's exes, and his name has been withheld. Right. Um, but she had known him since junior high as well as her husband and had once been engaged to be married to this man. He claimed that Sherry had been in Costa Mesa with him the whole time that she was supposedly kidnapped from Red,
1: California.
0: So this is how this whole thing went down, right? Mm -hmm. After silence between the two for many years, I guess this guy came across some old pictures and sent them to Sherry's parents. So they make this reconnection, right? Right. She's married to Keith with two children at that point, probably bored with her life, like, wants something exciting, wants something new. Clearly, she's talking to other guys. Yeah. So she's not happy in her current situation. She tells this guy that she's been saving money to run away with him. Right. Which, really? That's just, it's random that he could reconnect with you, and all of a sudden you're saving money to go run away with him? Did she make claims of abuse for her husband? Yes. Okay. Sherry said that Keith Bapini was beating and raping her on the regular, and she had to escape. Yeah. She claimed that she'd filed police reports and that they'd refused to help her, but there's absolutely no evidence that any of this was in any way true. Right. The abuse from Keith, that is. Sherry claimed abuse with others as well in the past that had been unfounded. Mm. That had been unfounded, so... We know this isn't true, but the ex agrees to go pick her up. Yeah. He rushes right over. Of course. He's the knight in shining armor. He doesn't just drive his own car over there. I guess he rented a car to pick her up in Reading, which seems fishy to me. That seems Like,
1: like they had a prior discussion. Yeah. But don't, like, come get me, but don't bring your car.
0: Yeah. So he claims he doesn't know what they didn't know and doesn't know what the plan had been. Mm -hmm. and that she slept on the couch. There was no sexual contact between them. Mm. She kept to herself, stayed in his apartment while he went to work, and was basically just starving herself, sitting in a dark room all the time, which, again, I don't necessarily believe either. But there was sexual contact between them. She claims, and he claims, that there wasn't, but I think we pretty much know that's probably not the case. Yeah. And during this whole time, she was self-harming and asking for him to brand her with a wood-burning tool, hit her with a hockey puck, and all this other kind of crazy stuff. I guess she broke her own nose, though. Yes.
1: So, like, what I read is that he said, like, he never physically harmed her, but she would say, like, shoot this hockey puck at my leg. And so he would do that, and, like, that would create a bruise. Yeah. So, like, he wasn't actually ever physically harming her, but he was going along with her plan to harm herself.
0: And it's also wild that he says he knew nothing about this, even though the news were like blasting this story all over the place. He's like, I had no idea.
1: This girl you happen to know and just recently got in contact with this woman that you just recently got in contact with and knew growing up is missing. And you have no idea.
0: Yeah. And he's super cooperative with police. So they're like, okay, I guess he's legit. Um, Just before Thanksgiving, Sherry said she misses her kids and wants to go home. So she'd been hanging out with him for like twenty days, yeah. a couple weeks, chilling. Supposedly just sitting in a dark room, starving herself, and then she's like, "You know what? I miss my kids. I want to go home." Yeah. Which again, just so random. You know how weird. the
1: holidays always, you know, make you miss your kids, Like you failed on them,
0: right? But evidently, he rented another car and drove seven hours to drop her off back in.
1: Maybe maybe he has a really crappy car, and his car can't like go that many miles. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. Or, or maybe it's like a was, company car, so he can't put miles on his car. Maybe.
0: But the story was corroborated by receipts and witnesses. Right. So, like, he's legit. He's telling the truth, yeah. Yeah. August 2020, Sherry was questioned again and lied to federal agents. That's, Whoops. That's, you know, thus the charges. Yep. Um, descriptions that she had given in her original testimony and original, like, interviews with police matched the inside of this guy's home. And the DNA on her sweats matched his. his DNA. Yeah. So, like, really, you're gonna keep. She denies, 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 though. She just keeps, she doubles down on her story I mean. at that point. It's like, no way. Are you serious? <laughs> so, by 2022, people were pissed. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, basically, all the money that we spent on this could have been used on real cases. Yeah. Evidently, she'd also gotten $30,000 from California Victims Compensation Board in 35 payments. That were given to her from 2017 to 2021. Wow! The therapy blinds in her home and ambulance ride. The fifty thousand they'd gotten from GoFundMe went towards credit card bills and personal things. Yeah. So oh. that's like a hundred k. That they got. That they just you know. That seems a little shady. Yeah. Um, the max sentence for this is five years in prison and a fine of up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars if convicted. That's the lying to the federal agent charge. Mm-hmm. And then the mail fraud one is 20 years or up to, 20. excuse me, up to 20 years or $25,000 for that one um, because she'd taken those checks in the mail. Right. There's no charges against anyone else. Her boyfriend got a plea deal. Yeah. The guy she went and spent time with, obviously. Um, the family claims that she was bombarded and scared and she they didn't need to come. when I guess when they apprehended her and arrested her, they did it in front of her kids. So the family's super pissed about that. Um, they denied her bail because they said she was a flight risk. Ugh, surprise, surprise. No kidding. They also said she was a danger to the community, which That's interesting. <laughs> good for them. So she has been held in jail. They say, oh, she isn't eating. She's got mental illness and drug use and self-harm and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So anyway, let's talk a little bit about the recent developments in this. Yeah. So Sherry Papini, I guess her husband filed for divorce. Did he? Okay. Yeah. Sherry Papini's husband reportedly has filed for divorce just days after the Northern California mom pled guilty to charges related to staging her sensational 2016 kidnapping that ignited a massive manhunt and drew international attention. Keith Papini of Redding, California, filed for dissolution with minor children this last week, saying Pass. he'd finally learned the truth from a plea agreement his wife had signed with prosecutors early this month, according to his court filing obtained by the Sacramento Bee and other news outlets. So essentially she didn't tell him the truth. He got the truth by reading this plea agreement that she'd signed with prosecutors. Unbelievable. So even then she was still continuing to lie to him, her own husband. This poor guy, man. And the thing is, it's my understanding that if she had just come clean in the beginning, when she got back, they would have never pressed charges against her. She would have been fine. Right. It would have been, it would have died down eventually and she would have been fine. But because she took it to the next level and continued to lie about it and lied to the people who are questioning her. That's when she got in trouble. But Papini, the father of two, said his wife has been living with a relative since early this month, and he requested sole custody of their kids, saying he must act decisively to protect my children from the trauma caused by their mother and bring stability and calm to their lives. Until her arrest last month, Sherry Papini continued telling their children, ages 9 and 7, that the investigation was a misunderstanding with authorities.
1: Oh, boy.
0: The fact their mother lied to them on such a major issue is something they and I are having a very hard time yeah. dealing with, he said in the filing. I do not believe she's in a position to provide good parenting, and it would be inconceivable to trust the children in that chaotic situation. 100%. His filing came just two days after his wife of nearly 13 years pleaded guilty to mail fraud and making false statements through, uh, in relation to her 2016 disappearance. Until then, Cherry Papini had been silent on her hoax for nearly six years. In the plea agreement, signed April 12th, Sherry Papini, 39, admitted to staging her own kidnapping with the help of an ex-boyfriend who housed her at a Southern California home. She claimed she was taken hostage at gunpoint and assaulted by two Hispanic women while jogging near her home. When she resurfaced more than three weeks later, she had what authorities said were self-inflicted injuries. Her attorney said he's not sure himself why Papini staged the crime and doesn't know if anyone else does either, including her. In my opinion, it is a very complicated mental health situation, but one that has to be confronted and dealt with, and that includes admission and acceptance of punishment, said the Mm -hmm. defense attorney, William Portanova. As part of the plea deal, Sherry Papini agreed to pay more than $300,000 in restitution to local, state, and federal agencies and has tried to find her... Wait, agencies that tried to find her and investigated her scheme, prosecutors said they will request a prison term that's at the lower end of the sentencing guidelines when she's sentenced July 11th. Okay. So, she's going to jail. Yeah. I mean, good. <laughs> I wonder how much time they're going to give her, though. I think it's interesting that they, they well, basically... Well, considering that she's,
1: that she's a, they considered her flight risk and
0: denied her bail, like they might just give her time served. I don't know, but that $300,000, is she ever going to pay something like that off? That is such for her. A, she was a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. She has no marketable skills it looks like, but I'm sure she'll sell her story to somebody. Yeah. Oh yeah, she'll be on Dr. Phil. Probably. Yeah. And she's an attractive woman, so she'll probably take advantage of that as well. Yep. There's somebody just, out there
1: that'll pay her for that. Like that's it's,
0: it, it's a disturbing case. It's incredibly disturbing and the fact that she continued to lie to her
1: children. Yeah. And her husband. It's horrifying. Like, just horrifying.
0: And it just seems she like... Should, she just, should go to
1: jail. She should have to pay that, all that restitution.
0: Seems like she was just, like, bored one day. and was like, oh, the husband said he's not going to come home from work. I'm bored. I'm going to go do something. <laughs> and, like,
1: it's so selfish to, like, think that your actions, like, doing something like that won't affect everybody. Yeah. It's just bonkers. It's like, I just want a break from my life, so I'm just
0: going to... Just pretend like I was kidnapped? No, that's not a thing you can do. But not just that. It's the fact that, number one, she took money away from real victims. Right. And number two, saying that money ish about time. Hispanic women. So yeah. So then God knows how many Hispanic women were harassed. Yeah. Because somebody thought they looked like her pictures. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's horrible. Yep. So, you know, I hope they do give her a prison sentence and she has to sit in there and stew and think about it, although she probably will like it because it's dark and she can starve herself and self-harm.
1: <laughs> I do not feel any sympathy toward her in any way. Sorry that you don't like your life, but you don't get to just bail out honestly. Not how things work.
0: Anyway, I mean... I have a little bit of sympathy for her, but that's about it. A little, 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 tiny, tiny. Why? Because she got herself, I think, wrapped up in more than she intended to do. And she was stuck and she was scared. And she's obviously mentally ill and needs significant help that she didn't get. She needs help. She needs mental health. Those are. Okay. Yes. And I
1: do understand that. And like. Now that you've said that, I look like a jerk for saying I don't have any sympathy <laughs> for her. But like, those are those are choices, and it's not as if she lived a completely mentally healthy life until yeah. that moment. There were things that would have been seen before then, where she would have gotten that would have been needed to have been addressed before this yeah. moment. This didn't come out of the blue, and. She, Everything she has done has been a result of her own yeah. choices. So yes, I do understand that she has been ill, but you can't use that as a cop yeah. out.
0: It's you just know? a thing. Um, yeah. Hey. Hey. Want to do some emails? Yeah. We haven't done that in a long time. Yeah. We have a couple of good ones. Sweet. Well, we have a few extra minutes here. <clears throat> Not that, you know, unless there's anything else you want to add about Sherry Pepini. Nah. I'm done with her. <laughs> okay. Um, There we go. Here's one. Hi, ladies. My name is Val, and I listen to you, too, while I drive to work most days since I discovered your podcast. Thank you. The true crime podcast genre has so many options now that it's hard to narrow in on one that's different and unique, fun, and educational, as well as upbeat and easy to listen to. So far, your podcast checks all the boxes. Hey! It's like hearing my friends and I chat about cases. I would love to hear your take on the Melissa Lucio case, which... Again, this email came in a few weeks back before right, we yeah. put that case out, but it was See, interesting. We knew. We knew, we knew, Val. <laughs> we knew. about it. Um, she is now up for execution and so many people have so many different theories. My cousin's best friend knows the family and it's such a hard <gasps> case to hear and contemplate. Oh gosh. Everyone involved is just so broken-hearted on all sides. Thanks again for your respectful coverage and intelligent analysis, Val in Texas. Thanks, Val in Texas. Yeah, that's, and we did an update earlier in the podcast on that, but that's yeah. that, that a really, really tough case. Um, yeah, absolutely. And funny that she sent that email, and I literally got it two days after we put out the Melissa Lucio episode. Oh, so nice. it was interesting. Um, okay. This one's titled More, More, More. And it says, We can't get enough of the recent coverage of current cases like Lori Vallow and Elizabeth Holmes, which we just did a Lori Vallow update, <laughs> <walking> too. <laughs> <laughs> Says the way you two cover off on the cases is fun, interesting, and different. Keep up the good work. Bridget. Thanks, Bridget. Um uh, let's see here. Ba, 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 ba. Hi, Sarah and Darcy. I really enjoyed the episode on the bad vegan with Sarah's mom. It was cute to hear a different perspective. Will you and Darcy have guests on the show again anytime soon? I really Ooh. liked the episode you did with the investigator way back when. Looking forward to more John from Massachusetts. Remember that case we did? Yeah, and the
1: the crime scene investigator was really cool. That was
0: so fun. Yeah. That that whole podcast that we did with her was just it was awesome. Yeah. Like if you want to hear a little something different, go check that episode out. I think we put it out before I left California. So that had to have been like two. Yeah, she two, was two and San and a Diego ago. crime scene investigator. It was awesome. So so cool. Um, and I think, you know, we would like to have more guests on the show, but I think COVID kind (laughs) of put a damper on that for a little bit. Right. Yeah. Um, next one says, good job girls. Love the coverage of the Bob Saget injuries and the breakdown from Darcy. Hey, so interesting to hear about all the little details and some of the alternate theories. Did you two see the hotel room? It was much different than I thought it would be. Thanks for respectfully covering that case, Cassie.
1: Yeah, it was, it was it was very much different than what I was expecting too, because in my mind, like, I don't say at hotels like that. So like in my mind I'm thinking like it's a generic holiday Inn. and like No,
0: I thought it was a big fancy super posh hotel well, I really knew didn't it was going to be big, but also, me. like, oh, I thought it was nice. It was okay, but I just thought, you know, from the descriptions that it was going to be super posh. It was a huge bathroom, yeah, a little bit Yeah, a
1: little bit And a little bit I live in different totally
0: tax brackets <laughs> <laughs> last email for the day hello just listened to your podcast on john Bonet on my walk i have become somewhat obsessed with this case off and on the off beam because i just have to get away from it because it's such a rabbit hole yeah and i don't have time for it <laughs> yeah but i do find it extremely interesting and i like your take on it i just have to recommend listening to a podcast called presumed guilty the operman report have okay. you listened to that uh-uh says, please listen to it. It's super intriguing, a different angle that involves not just the Ramseys and not an intruder, but somewhere in between. Ooh! It just so happens that most recently her photographer, Randy Simmons, was arrested on child porn. <gasps> he was mentioned in the podcast. This was just before he was arrested. Anyway, he got out early due to COVID, so I don't know what happened with that. Also, I'm sure you're not into psychics from being from science backgrounds, but give this a listen. Watch too. It's actually kind of ties in with the Oberman report, the Opperman report. Sorry. Listen, even if it's just for entertainment purposes anyway, maybe you could do a podcast on the angle in the Opperman report. That would be awesome. No one talks about that. Here's a link to the podcast. Thanks for your podcast, Deborah.
1: So there's a there's a psychic on it.
0: Yeah, evidently. She put a bunch of links in here. I'll throw those into the show notes as well. Cool. I, I'm down to check it out.
1: I'll listen to that. I mean, I'm the exact same way in terms of the Jovanic case. There's there's no way to solve it, but there's also no way that somebody in the house wasn't involved. Like, it's just... it's a, It's an impossible solution. It, I mean, it definitely
0: seems plausible that the photographer could be involved somehow. It doesn't... Like, <clears throat> I don't want to sound...
1: I get a funny feeling about people, about adult people who are involved in child pageants and things like that. Yeah. It's so creepy. And I don't mean to say that everybody's, like, questionable. I just... I get a funny feeling about it. But, like,
0: (laughs) you know what I mean? So, that... Anytime when you know. put makeup on a little girl, on a, like a five-year-old girl, and make her look like an adult woman, there's something super creepy about that. Yeah, I mean... Make her look and act and speak like an adult woman, there's a problem. I, I definitely
1: have an issue with the child pageant thing, but I, I, I don't mean to make it sound like I think all people that work with children no. are like creeps, but because certainly not. But I did not know that about the, the, the photographer, and I'm going to look into that. We'll do an update.
0: <laughs> Stand by for an update. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I think it has to be somebody that knew the family. I don't think it's a random person. I think that it was somebody that may have been allowed access into the house. Like, so it just – it fits – it yeah. checks so many boxes, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, because there's also, like – I'm sure this is something that they've talked about in that podcast, but they also – you know, the the guy that they hired to be Santa Claus. Like, yeah. that's also one of the – Creep city! You know, so there's a lot of – there's a lot of names that float around in that, but it's just – it is. It's exactly what, sh- what Deborah said. It's a oh, rabbit yeah. hole.
0: I mean, and it's been a rabbit hole for me for years since the mm-hmm. case came out. Yep. But anyway, good stuff. Thank you so much, everyone, for writing in to us. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can shoot us an email. We are at the podcast at gmail.com. We will put that address into the show notes. We do post on social media. Darcy, where are we at with that? Yeah, we are on Instagram
1: at the BFD podcast. So we'll post pictures and all of that good stuff there, too. Um, And yeah, I don't have anything else to say. I don't know why I said yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And please join us again next week when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild cases. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye. Bye, guys.